House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. And of course, I'm Al Warren, and we've got uh, Mr. David Martino on the backside. (laughs) (laughs) The what? The backside. I was oh. going to say, yeah, never mind. That didn't turn out. But that's okay. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, we're never, we're never okay. that, that correct anyway. So, <laughs> um, well, anyway, so uh, here we go. Got back yeah. from another uh, busy day down at the uh, downtown there, and I was doing. Uh, I was at the protest. Um, Looking for your foreskin. Yeah, the foreskin protest. <laughs> um, you know, I had to get down there and see what was going on. And it was not that exciting because I, I don't know why they want their foreskin back after 40 years. I don't know. That's crazy. Well, now, speaking of that, foreskin. <laughs> we've got, what a way to enter open this show. We've got, we've got a great writer, actually, a great Canadian writer, and this is amazing. Um, so he's got another book just uh, come out here. And uh, Mr. David Darling, thank you for uh, going down into your basement in your pajamas well, and talking to us. <laughs> thank, thank you very much, Alan, from foreskin <laughs> to pajamas. Wow, you really broadened your uh, horizons there. Well, you know, we, we like to touch all bases. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for having me back. It's appreciated. So your new book, uh, tell us what's going on there. Now, you did this really fast. How did you, how did you put this together so fast? Well, on the back side, it appears fast. However, uh, well, first, let's start with the title. The title is Grim Measures. And one of the things as a writer I wanted to work on, which I constantly work on, uh, is pacing and tension throughout for, for all my novels. And with Grim Measures, it didn't even start out as a novel. It's technically a novel. Uh, it's 30,000 words, one third of a novel. And I started this with just the intention of a writing exercise to work on my pace and tension within a novel to see if I could, I don't want to, I'll just say squish it down and uh, get down to the meat and uh, bones of, uh, of a story and, and go with that. So I, I actually started this last fall and uh, in September and then um, as a side project and then just around Christmas, it was pretty much done. And I decided, well, you know what? It's it's no longer a project. It turned into a, a, a pretty darn good story. I like to think so. Now, is this is this part of a, the series of what you've been doing, or is this something totally different? Uh, no, this is a standalone uh, series. Or, correction, a standalone novel. So not, not related to my uh, police thriller series at all. What's the idea behind this book? What's the premise? Well, the premise is. Uh, this single father, his name's John Welland, uh, one uh, snowy, blustery evening in January, this uh, man lives with his uh, daughter out, out in uh, Michigan, and his daughter is kidnapped in the middle of the night. And there's no trace, there's no clue, and he's given up all hope. A couple months later, he gets a phone call from the kidnapper saying he has one chance to get his daughter back but he has to follow the instructions to the letter. And it starts off with him having to kill an FBI agent. And the plot goes from there. And 
and he follows a series of instructions and I don't want to give the ending away. So, however, there, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You, you write about these um, thrillers and, and, and action adventure and all this stuff like that. What is, is this kind of like what you hope people um, pick up the book and they run through it, like they read through it and they come out of it. Um, is it just like totally action? Is that sort of what your, your output is? That's, that's what you want people to get. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I do like, uh, I, as a re- reader, I really enjoy the action scene. If I can read a book and it kind of gets the, the blood pressure up and you, the fingers are shaking a little bit as you're quickly turning the page to find out what happened for, for me as a reader, that's ideal. Um, as a writer, I found to try and write a whole book like that. It'll, it'll feel like somebody's running a marathon. You just, there's no chance to recover. So that comes back to my practice of, uh, pacing and tension so i do like to write about that um but not all the time I, I i brought in elements of like i said this was a writing exercise that turned into a novel so i have elements of uh, uh the tension the, the the fear of a father losing their child um a single father <laughs> he didn't even have his wife to rely on um uh, tense situations as he's looking for her, uh, uh, following the instructions. So uh, of of the kidnapper, the abductor. So it, it all it all accumulates and it builds and builds. But as the writer, one of the things I really like to do at the end is uh, uh, I want to say a, like a twist, something that you kind of went, hey, I I didn't see that coming. But if you read it a second time, you'll see all these foreshadowing events that will dictate what could have happened. So if you paid attention. Well, having written a standalone and you've written uh, some series books, uh, do you have a preference? Do you, do you like to uh, write, uh, uh, you know, the, the standalone uh, better than let's say a series or do you like them equally? I've written, uh, well, this Grim Measures is a standalone and I've written another novel called, uh, look over my shoulder serving the shadows recruitment and uh, that's also a standalone and i had a a good time with that and i've also written uh, three novels in a series i think they're just different uh different altogether uh, it, you know i'm going into book four on this one series and i feel confident with my characters already that i can start showing some growth development some changes as the series progresses, which, you know, it's, it's not like a Jack Reacher. He's always stuck in the exact same thing, like a form. Uh, he's They're growing and developing, whereas a standalone is like a snapshot. Boom, it is what it is. So and that part I really enjoy as well. So there, there's advantages and disadvantages to both, I, I think. What do you like reading yourself? Like when you get to that, do you like those Jack Reachers or do you like it when there's really a, not a lot of character development, just this little pieces here and there. It's almost like a, um, just kind of hints to who this person is or how they react to certain situations. But it's, it's, it's generally about the, the, the thrill ride more than the character. Well, it, it, I guess it comes down to two types of novels. You get a, a, a plot or a story-based novel or a character development-type novel where you're right into the character and 
I don't care what this character does. I'm going to read it because I really enjoy it. Or, you know, to get into the intricacies of, uh, um, the plot, you know, do you, do you, are you, are you caught up in the story? So, um, I guess the ideal situation is a bit of both. <laughs> and I think that's what makes a really good novel, to be honest. Um, as a reader myself, I, I'm more into the, uh, uh, the plot of, of a particular novel. And if it carries on through a series, maybe I'd, yeah, after, after, well, how many, how many Jack Reacher books were there? 26, 27? There should have been some major development, character <laughs> development by the end, you know, yeah. like, geez, something. That'd be great. It, it didn't really happen with Jack Reacher, but yeah, maybe maybe near the last few. But uh, I don't want to be too critical because uh, I don't need Lee Child fans uh, beating me up and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to do that. You know, they might be like Jack Reacher. They come beat you up. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be in trouble. <laughs> well, how do you build your tension? Like, what is what is your tension all about in in a book? Are you is it mental suspense? <laughs> is it mental suspense? <laughs> yeah, that you know. Or is it, it it's like what like I'm trying to I'm trying to think how you you would characterize um, the suspense in the book? Is it like Alfred Hitchcock style, or how would you talk about it? I, I think a good writer could build suspense uh, describing somebody making a peanut butter and jam sandwich. Like, it's just, you know, it, it's all in the words and in the play and in the sentences. However, there's a certain style that goes along with, uh, let's just say, thriller, a thriller-type novel, where when you're getting into a tense scene, the the sentences are going to be shorter, almost clipped. You're going to have abrupt actions. Um, you're going to have what's behind the door i thought i heard a noise well when the door opened uh boy did he ever get a shock uh, end of chapter <laughs> what what happened next maybe you go on to somebody else's point of view and tell that a little side story before you jump back in there i find those kind of things help build the tension to a certain extent but it's all i find it all based around the the story not necessarily the characters at that point so where did you get the idea for this story I actually started it off as a, a poltergeist, uh, a ghost type story, and then, and then I, I think I believe I mentioned to you during our our last talk, last interview, how I uh, was was doing a lot of research into uh, human trafficking and uh, abductions and kidnappings and stuff like that. And you'd mentioned it in a couple of your novels as well, right. and I, I found that to be uh, uh, well. Hey, it's disturbing. There's a there's a lot of lot of sick stuff out there. And when I was doing a lot of research for this book, um, I was I was writing. I I I, I cut five thousand words out of this book. Um, a lot of the scenes and chapters were based around uh, the kidnapper's point of view, trying to have the young four year old child integrate into his family and. You, it just got so dark and disturbing. I, I didn't like it. It changed the whole tone of the the novel, and I couldn't do it, so I cut it out. Um, because those those scenes don't end well. And that's just what's going on out in life. So yeah, yeah. No, I mean it is. It's, there's a lot of crazy stuff. I, but that's interesting that you cut it out rather than leave it. It's just about the the total atmosphere of the of the of the story then that you, you just didn't want to get too, too dark, I guess. Well, I, the, the, the main character uh, goes, 
has his struggles as he's, you know, uh, trying to follow the instructions of the abductor. And then the side story of the abductor having his struggles trying to raise a four-year-old that wasn't his and knows it wasn't his. Where's my dad? Uh, it, it just that that side story didn't end, couldn't couldn't end well properly uh so i i had to i had to cut it out and it, it kind of gave me the creeps if you want to know the truth especially as i was writing it i'm like yeah you know what this is it, it just it wasn't me i couldn't i i did write it but i couldn't uh i couldn't keep it so i i didn't even put it in my uh my slush folder i just deleted it Oh geez, you could have you could have done the uncut version. <laughs> now, you know what? I I'm good with that. I didn't. I wanted a story that in in the end had a. Um, well, I don't want to talk about the ending, I guess. But it's like I said, there's all, there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, it's not a train coming towards the main character at full speed. Well, how do you deal with that darkness? Like after you've written stuff that's you know extremely dark uh do you have to decompress or you know how how do you um kind of get that out of your system it it stays with you to be honest i and you relieve relive those scenes like some of those scenes i wrote were were vivid and uh that's how i i picture i picture them in my mind and then then i write along with it Mm -hmm. um you know some mornings i'd wake up at 4 30 in the morning and i would i can still see the scene i'm going no that this scene wouldn't go like that. It would have to happen like this. And next thing I know, I'm making coffee at five o'clock. I'm downstairs and I'm rewriting something because it just made sense because I can visualize it with the dark stuff like that. It, it kind of, it stays with you. You think about it. Um, you know, uh, most writers on their deathbed, their, their final wishes for somebody to delete their browsing history. Cause <laughs> man, you know, they, 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 you know, they, they they do the research. They look around and they find out about all this stuff that's it's just not that nice. No, and the, and the trafficking world's really kind of a dark. I think when I did the In Chains book, the hardest thing was um, not well for me. It was it was the shock of what was going on. Uh, there yep. there were things happening that uh, it didn't even cross my mind could happen or would be happening. It was just kind of a shock, and then that shock stays with you long after the book because you just can't believe that that's going on today in the world, Mm -hmm. you know. Well, have you read – it's called The Chain by uh, Adrian McKinty? No, I don't think so. Uh, It's fairly new. It came out last year. It just exploded on the charts. Stephen King endorsed it, so anything he endorses will – take over the world um the, you know it was, it's basically uh, a kidnapping book uh, this woman's daughter was kidnapped and she can get her daughter back however she has to kidnap somebody else's child and then the woman who kidnapped her daughter will let will get her son back from somebody else and then it's a constant chain of events of kidnapping and ransom and money handing over to the, the bad guys and uh and and that was one of the things i had almost i I wish i i well i'm glad i didn't now i I was going to include that in my novel as one of the things the 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 kidnapper to uh, have the main character get his daughter back at the end 
give me a replacement, but I'm so glad I didn't because it was just already done and I didn't know it. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's a pretty, um, dark subject. Was it, were you hoping to get something out of that? Um, getting into this sort of kidnapping trafficking area in a, in a fiction novel? I go, I go about it as a fictitious mindset. You know, the daughter, the young girl was missing. There's no clues. Um, the kidnapper, the abductor always seems to have the upper hand and no information that the FBI didn't have stuff like that. Would would I have done it different? Uh, no, no, I wanted, to, I wanted to keep it focused on the journey of the man getting his daughter back and what he goes through. So, wow. I would think that's still pretty, um, it must have been pretty uh, draining process for you because you're, um, you say you visualize your characters, you visualize the scenes. For sure. Well, I, I'm also a parent, so I can, I can understand that the absolute agony, you know, somebody must go through. And to be honest, no, you don't, you don't really know until it happens to you. I'll, I'll give everybody that, but boy, can I picture it. And to me, that would just, whatever you take my car, take my house, set it all on fire, whatever. But you know, you touch my daughter. Oh man, that just cuts to the quick, doesn't it? So yeah, yeah, that would. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, so your character. So when you when you're doing that, like, so what's your process? How do you how do you um, are you like driving down the road and all of a sudden a scene comes to your head and um, that's kind of where the the story initiates or. Is it something that are you in a certain place or position, or do you put yourself in a certain mood? Where does where does this, this idea begin? Well, I'll, I'll talk about um, last week's idea. My wife watches a, a lot of these uh, Hallmark Christmas Easter <laughs> seasonal movies. I mean, I always boy, wondered she... who did that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> actually, I know one of the authors. Her name's Jenny Hale. She's a fabulous writer. Her. But anyway, I, I've been joking with her on Twitter saying, oh, my wife wants me to write one of these stories. And I'm going, oh, man, I'm, I'm a police thriller, uh, psychological thriller kind of guy at heart. So I go, I don't even know where to start. So anyway, I, I said, oh, I'd give it a shot. So I started. I started last week. It's not going to quite turn out to be a Hallmark kind of book. But um, <laughs> I just had a concept, you know. Let's go with it. So I started the vacationing couple in the Bahamas. And soon, I, I'm already 10,000 words into this story since last week. So, and it's quickly changed from a, a romantic couple honeymoon kind of situation to, uh, oh, there's a death at the resort and then another death. It was all these people that had met up together in NASA in the Bahamas. At a, and they're all staying at this one resort. And uh, it ends up going to be the, I decided to have the, instead of the superhero kind of person uh, being, you know, the U.S. Army Ranger or a CIA agent, the big tough guy, it's going to be uh, the woman, the the wife. And she's there on assignment and her husband doesn't know anything about it, but now he has to help her out because uh, she's been compromised. So stuff like that, it's just, it keeps changing and I'm going with it. So it's it's actually coming along rather well. I'm kind of surprised. <laughs> I wanted to write a novel in the first person from the husband's point of view. And uh, uh, what a different world that is. So, yeah, good times. 
<laughs> well, you talk about visualizing your characters. C can you hear them? I just want to know if you hear voices, but is that how you create your dialogue, or uh, do you have another method? Can I visualize them? <laughs> yes, yes, I, yes, I can. I can, I can, I visualize them enough in my head that I can hear them. Am, am I talking to them? No, I, I'm not talking to them. <laughs> However, uh, <laughs> I do. I can. Well, you know, <laughs> I said, hi. Pop on over. We, uh, yeah, I can hear them. Like, what's what makes sense? You know, uh, they go through this internal dialogue. Writers will go through this internal dialogue thing in their mind, and. You know, pen, if you're alone, you look around the room, and sometimes you'll talk things out, too. Uh, action scenes, uh, fight scenes, uh, you know, I've been in martial arts for 37 years now, but mm -hmm. I still get up in the living room, and I pretend to throw a right hook at this my opponent, and then I switch to the opponent's side, and I move in the living room, and I... <laughs> and I, and I do an upper block and I do a snap kick or something. And, you know, and then I, Oh, yep, that'll work. That'll work. You know, and then I go back and I write it all out or I did that for a knife fight scene once, you know, so I'm, I'm acting it out. So, um, I've done the same thing. Cause I, I studied martial arts myself for over 30 years. Oh, what, what, uh, what styles? Um, Taekwondo, uh, Japanese jujitsu, Jeet Kune Do. Oh, nice. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. I'm all, you? I'm all, I'm all Japanese. I started off with judo for 11 years, okay. and I went into uh, the key jiu-jitsu, keido yep. uh, jiu-jitsu kind of blend, and then uh, I'm still wrapping up and in uh, with karate right now. And uh, I, I've done, you know, six years of tai chi, and uh, I've messed around with some Wing Chun guys and mm. Taekwondo guys I've sparred with. So it's all fun. It's I all great the... stuff. Oh, good, good. Well, you're a normal person then. Okay, yeah, right. yeah, I'm the only <laughs> abnormal one. You know, actually, my dad used to use high karate. <laughs> the the, uh, uh, the cologne. The cologne. Yes. Yeah. Does that count? Oh, there you go. Does that count? Does that... Oh, yeah, you're, you're almost a brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really sad. You know. Oh, the, the only part is it's like. You know, you're you're 18, and you know you have this fake ID, and then you go get some beer, and then you turn 19, and nobody ever asks you for ID. Yeah. I found the same thing with martial arts. I've never gotten into any problems, or I just look at them and I'm mm. like, "Do you really want to do this? Because I'm I'm really ready. Yeah. I've got almost four <laughs> decades of studying, buddy. You have no idea how ready I am. But 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 if you're not, I, I'm go I'm cool too. But you know, it, it, nothing ever happens. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, geez, you know, um, I've got nothing. I'm barely uh, rode a bike, so I don't. You know. <laughs> oh, well, well, you know, somebody's somebody's got to do it. So, so when you you said you were talking about the poltergeist sort of thing, are you sort of into the paranormal? How could a billion people be wrong? <laughs> like, come on! What is it? One in seven people believe in. Some form of the afterlife, ghosts, um, things that go bump in the night. There's so much out there that can't be explained. That I'm, yeah, I, I think there's there's got to be something there. I, I have a theory and an idea. I kind of brought that into my first novel I wrote, and uh, you know, serving the shadows recruitment was about a, a U.S. Army Ranger, and uh, whose brother died while on assignment with the CIA. However, he quickly finds out he can still talk to his brother. His brother's dead. And they finish off the assignment that his brother was on. And, you know, they save the world and the, the terrorists and all that. 
one, one thing I have learned, uh, something always transitions from one form to another, and that's energy. You can't lose energy. It doesn't mm. work that way. It just gets transformed into another form. We have 13 trillion synapses going on in our brains right now, and that all forms energy, even down to the quantum level. And when, when our bodies shut down, the energy has to go somewhere. It just doesn't dissipate into the, the world. So that, that form, that energy has to go somewhere. As to where, well, I guess we're all going to find out one day, but uh, right now I, I don't have an answer. Well, yeah, I just, when you, when you bring it into your books like that, does that come from personal experience or is that just a kind of a belief, a far out thought of, well, this is the way, you know, you're talking about energy. That's kind of how you see it um, mm -hmm. and a possibility. And that's, you know, fair enough. But have you had any run-ins yourself? Once when I was a child, actually. So um, I was, you know, watching the love boat and fantasy island out in the living room. <laughs> and uh, The way it always starts. <laughs> yeah. Man, if I had a nickel. Um, and so my, my mom was out in the kitchen cleaning up, and my sister, my little sister had already gone to bed. And I looked up, and I thought, well, I, I didn't think. I know. I can still see it to my mind, and it's been... Well, quite a, quite a while, <laughs> 44, 45 years. Um, I can still see the figure crawling down the hallway, and it looked like some sort of shimmering white blanket over top. And I go, to, I just said, "Mom, Heather's up. Or my sister's up. She's crawling down the hall." And we came out. She would have crawled down the hall and turned into my bedroom. You could see it. Made an old wartime bungalow. And we went into my room, and she there was nobody there. And then I went down. I checked my mom's room, checked the the bathroom, and my mom opened my sister's bedroom door, and she's still in bed sleeping. And there was just the three of us in the house. <laughs> and I still see it. I could still see that to this very day. It's one of those things you'll never forget. And my mom's like, "Okay, great." Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, maybe it's, yeah. it's, it's what happens if you watch Tattoo and Fantasy Island. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You go in, the ghost, boss, the ghost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the ghost. It's the ghost. Yeah. I can see it now. I can see it happens all the time, right? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Well, that's in, well, it's interesting that something like that stays with you. You know what I mean? All of these years. I mean, this last century, you know. There's just absolutely no scientific logical explanation for it so you know same as all the all the ufo stuff going on well there's always been ufos uh now we kind of got proof but nobody seemed to care because donald trump was running the country at the time and uh, <laughs> they were just worried about uh, staying alive <laughs> yeah, yeah they had their own dumpster fires to put in yeah. <laughs> meanwhile people were putting proof of ufos online and nobody's yeah oh that's great you know whatever but donald trump did you hear what he did today yeah so well i think yeah. i think the problem with the whole uh, paranormal is because it became televised it became a trend you know all the the ghost hunting mm -hmm. shows and the ufo shows and and that and i think people are inundated with all of these theories and and a lot of them are crazy you know they don't they don't just sit on okay we've We've seen this or spotted this or this person had this experience. 
there's so much um, exaggeration on the TV market mm-hmm. that you create a lot of doubt um, in people. Because um, I don't doubt it, but uh, a lot of the shows are, are crazy. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I do watch the History Channel too, and they, boy, do they take that to an extreme sometimes. So. Yeah, you know, it kind of goes too far, and um, it's just entertainment. People got to realize that. So there's this line, but um, what? So and that also leads to what? What kind of formula do you use then when you? Because when you talk about a poltergeist or you talk about hauntings and stuff like that, or when when the when the um, the officer, the guy was talking to his brother who was dead. Mm-hmm. What kind of formula do you use? Do you take from what's already sort of happened? Do you know what I'm saying? Like we have kind of these tropes, these ideas of someone is a ghost and they, they appear as themselves and, uh, you know, they follow through in the story and stuff like that. Do you just sort of take what's been built on or do you have your own kind of theories? I guess... I started creating my own, mostly in my mind. They're they're there in the novel. However, you'd have to write it all out, I guess, to to understand it. I I created a set of rules. You know, he can't, um, he's always in a fixed spot. Uh, He he doesn't wander around too much. Like if the one character gets into a vehicle, he doesn't sit in the vehicle with him. He'll be on the other end waiting or something uh, at the destination. Uh, he always appears to be the same, you know, he's not aging, he's not getting younger, he's, he is what he is, and he's, he's dressed casually, same, same as, you know, when, the moment he'd passed away, or, or in that particular case was murdered, um, is, the, I I took it for the, the character in the novel is, you know, he's, He's uh, he's a full character, like he has dialogue and interacts with the main character as well, the, the the dead brother. And, you know, I proposed that idea that, you know, how how is this happening? How come I can see you and nobody else can? That kind of thing. And uh, the theory I, I put forth in the novel was the fact that uh, uh, you know, the neurons in the brain, you're my brother, Maybe there are patterns are close enough that uh, they're allowing me to interact with you. You can just see this. Um, and then I propose the idea, is this happening to other people out there uh, in a similar manner, but we can't see them? So is this happening? Are other people seeing ghosts, but the ghosts are saying, hey, uh, don't, don't tell anybody because, you know, I'm dead. <laughs> uh, we, we, we don't know. So, and hey, maybe it's happening. I, I don't know. I'm not... Uh, I'm pretty pretty sure it's not, but uh, uh, but, but then again, I don't know all the answers either. So, so you better, I'm open you better to the idea. You better watch what you do, even when you're alone at home. <laughs> you know, watch. Yeah, yeah. You know, someone's watching you. For sure, I'm okay with that. <laughs> now, I I I do try and steer clear of the religion in the books, though. This is happening because of a religious reason. I'm uh, I'm trying to avoid conflict in that regard meaning I, I try and avoid talking about religion and i toy in politics uh if you can avoid those two major things you're, you're gonna be okay <laughs> for the most part in conversations with people so I, I try and do that same thing in the book you know well 
for for I, I'm hoping for obvious reasons for readership to be honest. Yeah. So I don't want to I don't want to piss a lot of people off. Yeah, and I think I think well you know rightfully so these days people are very as soon as they hear something political or they hear something religious they 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 get on edge and they either want to defend or they want to attack it you know there's not there's no there's no wiggle room right now so it's it's probably better to stay away from that in writing um and it shouldn't be that way um i don't know why it's become so i don't know black and white you know so coarse because there's no reason that you can't you can't have someone nobody's perfect so you you know, I don't know why you can't just people can't just talk about it rather than, you know, I'm I'm sort of confused with that. Just it, it, also with today's society, do, did you look to be careful on how you worded things so that it would be kind of, you know, politically correct? I guess is the term. Uh, do, are you careful on how you? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I'm not trying to be an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't want to mince words here. Um, yeah, and, and and if you're an asshole and I'm offending you, I am sorry. So, um, yes, I'm not gonna. I'll just take um, uh, one example would be like I don't use the word uh, midget within my novels. Right. Um, you know, you're a short person or. I guess the new technically, technically the new term uh, or politically correct term would be a vertically challenged. Okay. <laughs> hey, you know, if, if, if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. Okay. Um, am I going to lose readers? Am I going to be sued? I, I don't know. Uh, I hope not. And, and that was an example. I never did use that. So please don't, Skim my books looking for such words. Yeah, I'm going to look um, for it now. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> good, good luck. Good luck. Um, you know, that's it's the same it's the same concept. I don't want to – I, I want to entertain – I'm here to entertain people. And um, and, and that's, that's my main goal. I, I want to entertain you. I want you, when you finish my novel, to go – Oh my God, that was good. I didn't see that ending coming. And I go, that, he goes, that was worth staying up late for. Not, um, wow, he used the word midget 432 times. Like, what? <laughs> I guess he has his own shortcomings or something. Yeah, right? yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, that was, that, I want to focus on the story. I don't want to focus on uh, things that could be otherwise said uh, properly. And that's where I'd rather do it. No, and I agree totally. I'm the same way. I really, um, I really don't understand the anger behind a lot of it. Well, I can see it in some cases, but mm -hmm. I just sort of think that um, the last thing I want to do is, is hurt or upset someone or get, yeah, get, them, sure. get them feeling bad about themselves. So I try to avoid that as well. But the thing is, like you and I were of a certain age that um, we grew up in a certain condition. So some things are just yeah. come out of your mouth without thinking because that's just where we grew up. So um, I, I just don't understand the anger on that when it's not meant to hurt someone. And you just say, like, if you just said midget, it would be that's just all we ever said when we were young, right, right. up till just recently. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, you can't say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, if someone says that and tells you why, then I know. But before someone brings it to your attention, you don't really know. So mm -hmm. it's one of those fine lines. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm, I'm also, you know, I'm open. Like I just, if, if I'm doing something wrong or this is offensive to you, let me know. And I go, well, why is it offensive? Well, I don't like the way you did this. Well, I got some good news for you. And I go, it's okay to be offended, but don't expect me to make all these changes because simply one person's offended. Um, you know, if, if I'm offending, uh, you know, several hundred thousand people, then, then I would, well, first, thank you for buying my book too. Um, I would, I would be, I would be like, well, why is that offensive? Oh, I had absolutely no idea. I'm really sorry. I apologize. Allow me to do some corrections here. Uh, and then I'll end. I won't do it again. Yeah. You know, but if you're on your high horse, because it's okay to be offended guys, move on, keep scrolling. Don't don't read that part. Yeah, I, I think so. I think I say that to people all the time when they complain about me. <laughs> you know, turn the channel because I just want—I really don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to upset anybody, but it happens. But it's certainly not. I'm just trying to get some laughs and and have good conversations. Yeah. It's not. There's nothing mean going on here. I just—it's just ridiculous to think that. But that people will take mm. that. You know, one of the. A publisher I was working with a while back um, wanted to make some pretty aggressive changes, or aggressive, but there were changes that were sort of, uh, you know, I didn't realize. Like when I, the word ghetto, of course, had to be changed to working class neighborhood. Right. And things like that. Just just things that I didn't even think about. You know, it just, it just, it, it almost shocked me in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, because isn't it really more about our intention? Like when I say something to someone, isn't it really about if I'm saying it with hate and I, or I hate you and call you a name and, and you're being, oh, you know, I hate this race or I hate this religion or I hate gay people and say, they say something really bad in a bad firm. Isn't that really kind of what we're trying to stop here? Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that's, you know, I ha we had a discussion a few days ago and uh my writing group, and it was uh, about the word uh, manpower. Oh, yeah. <laughs> should, should, should we be using the word manpower? Well, and, and then the alternative was, what are we going to call it, people power? <laughs> no, that doesn't. So, you know, is, is manpower offensive? So, and that started the whole, boy, this went on for a while. I bet. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and, and the end result? We, we don't know. <laughs> well, because, you know, again, you know, you're just saying it because you all know what it means. I don't see mm -hmm. that as being, you know, so I guess it's because we didn't say woman. Uh, they're not included, I guess, woman power, manpower. But manpower, I, it's like it's like when I heard that with some of the realtors taking away master suite in the U.S. Right. Because they don't want master, so it's first room, second room, third bedroom. Yeah. Like they're no longer master suite, so... And to me, I, that's going to be a hard one to break. Isn't that just something we've said our whole life? Well, I, like it come, I guess it just for me it comes back to who who am I offending? Am I offending anybody? This is, you know, maybe I'll. Uh, I, I'm not here to offend anybody. I'm here to get along with everybody. And if if you know, I'm talking to a whole bunch of people or friends and stuff, and they're all offended by me using the word manpower, I don't see it. But I go, okay, well then I'll. We'll switch to something else. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Change it to whoa, man, power. 
I don't know. <laughs> one minute, it's like, how about dog power? Cat power? Yeah. You know, yeah. Cheetah yeah. power? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it seems, it just seems like it's, it, well, you know, especially with the world. I mean, there's a lot of things going on that it's, there's a lot of tension in the world, a lot of bad things mm-hmm. happening. And it's just like, I think uh, it's kind of better to focus on more um, things like that personally. But yeah, I'm all for I'm right with you. You know, uh, but who am I, right? Well, that's what, even uh, on, uh, what was it, uh, February 27th, Grim Measures came out, and uh, all week long, I've been trying to advertise and promote my novel, and I didn't feel like it. You know why? <laughs> People are dying in Ukraine, and there's another war going on, and here I am in Canada trying to sell a novel. And I go, oh, my God, how, how? <laughs> like, it just... The relevancy of it diminished in my mind so much yeah. that uh, I couldn't. It doesn't even compare, right? Here, th- these are my problems. Th- this is my problem. I'm trying to uh, break uh, Facebook algorithm so I could uh, get better <laughs> demographics for my uh, yeah. my novel, yeah. and and people are are walking uh, 12 miles with a newborn child to reach Poland so they're safe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, uh, yeah. Well, and it's disturbing. I, you know, for me, it's disturbing not only for the people, but also because I don't know. I guess I was really naive thinking in the '90s and after the Berlin Wall fell in '89 and all this stuff. I thought we were all moving in this direction of freedom, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not perfect, but we're going in the right direction. And this last few years, it seems to be like a real breakdown of that. There's no. There's no togetherness there, and, and and this useless attack on people like it just the whole um, thing is disturbing, you know, and and it's uh, oh. and it's hard to watch things like you know I guess they were just having some awards show and everyone's talking about the dress the person was wearing. It's just like yeah. it just it just seems so out of place. Yeah, you know. Well, I uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was in the army. Canadian reserves for 17 years and if my situation were different if I wasn't married and I didn't have a child right now maybe in a, a bit younger I would probably pack my bags and go join them they're looking for recruits that are coming to help the Ukrainian army I, I'd, I'd get I'd be there I think I uh, would uh, Canada can't send troops they're sending equipment and supplies but uh, I would uh, right now I still feel the call I still feel compelled to do something, yeah. Even if it's just going to be a Red Cross donation. So, um, yeah. Well, I, I just, you know, it's important. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah, it's important uh, to 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 look at that and do things like that because we got to help each other because it's uh, um, it can turn around. It could be a, you know, a, a news guy I know out of um, the Vancouver market. I know when he he posted something about that about uh, what would it be for if. The U.S. decided that they want to take Canada for the resources and walk in and do the same thing, you know. Um, you know, it's kind of in to that scale. It can happen anywhere. We think it can't, but weird things happen. Oh, for sure. Yeah, my heart goes out to them. And uh, so if, if this is affecting anybody that's listening, uh Boy, have you got my sympathies, and I wish you nothing but uh, all the best, and I hope there's nothing but a, a good good outcome from this yeah. that will last for a thousand years. Yeah. How was that for you writing during this time, too, and 
and all that. Does you it... know what? I find it, um, it. It's the relevancy here. I, here I am trying to write a novel, continue on with my life, and uh, on the news, as my wife watching the news, you're seeing you know bombed buildings and uh, uh, what, what do you? <laughs> he just just kind of sets the it changes your perspective it really does so um yeah yeah oh, priorities well i'm glad i'm glad i mean it's it's good to have good people like you out there that that think about these and you're and it, it and you do realize that you know you sort of it makes you aware of how lucky things are for for you at the time right you know puts you in a mm. in a good place so that's excellent. For sure. So, it, so now the book is out. Um, is this going to be in bookstores too, or is this just an Amazon? Uh, right now it's on um, uh, ebook only, and it's from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Kobo, uh, Indigo, uh, all over. And there's there's a dozen different places. It, they're literally pretty much anywhere you can get a, an ebook from. You can download Grim Measures. Now we're going to link that up to our site as well. And do you have a do you have a web page as well now? I do. It's uh, uh, daviddarlingbooks.com. And the second tab in there is books, and there's links to all my novels in there. Do you like uh, doing social media with 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 readers or with people that follow you? Or to be honest, I'm not a fan of social media. I I almost. <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't for the significant fact of keeping in touch with family and posting pictures for your family. So, you know, my, my great aunts and all of them can see it. And, and my mom, uh, uh, I probably wouldn't have done it as a writer. Wow. Do you ever need it? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, just, just for getting the word out. Uh, it takes one person on Twitter to like your comment and that shows up on uh, all their friends, Twitter feed. And then one other person might like it, and it shows up on all, you know, two friends, and so on and so on. So in that regard, uh, you need it. But one thing I've, I'm finding, and it's just making my day, is the reader comments, uh, the retweets, the the sharing. Boy, do I love that! I love hearing back from uh, everybody that's been reading my novels, and I've I've heard a couple of good comments today saying. Uh, all these agents that turned David Darling down are utter fools. His books are fantastic. And it just went on and on. Oh my God. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> so, my God, like, let me send you something. So yeah. So I just love it. I, in that regard, I, I truly do uh, benefit from uh, social media in that regard. Yeah. I think, I think it's important just to look for the good things. I think it's with us. It's here. It's now. It's going to keep on going and move further and, and develop into even more, more of an interaction. So I think it's a good thing. You just got to kind of look at the good things you can get out of it. You know, you, you meet some For really sure. good people. You hear some really good things and and that. And just you know, just delete the other ones. <laughs> you know, that's what it's there for. You know, you got don't, it. Don't don't waste your time getting mad. I just just say, well, bye bye. You know and stuff. What's your favorite yeah. social media? Are you you're like a real TikTok guy? I could see you on there dancing with the. Uh, well, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I I, I did create a TikTok account because my wife says you know there's there's a 
hashtag on TikTok called Book Talk, right. and authors are selling books on through TikTok. And I went, what? There's another way to sell books? I'm in. <laughs> so uh, that day I started creating some content. Um, you know, I put an old picture of a moose swimming across the river while I was fishing. That was... <laughs> That got more likes than my novel picture, but uh, yeah, I've I've sold books through TikToks. Whatever, if, if there's a way to do it, I'll I'll figure it out. I'll, but I'm you, not not on it all. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I had um, someone had bought one of my books and they um, had it signed, and then they were on TikTok and they showed that them opening the book with the signature and that, and they flashed nice. that around and got a couple thousand likes. It's like crazy. Perfect. Yeah. So Perfect. you know. Well, if you if you watch a uh, Dragon's Den and, and that one, uh, the guy who owns the Mavericks, uh, Mark. Um, oh, Cuban. Yeah. Cuban. Yeah. yeah. He he pretty much says right now. He goes, if you're not selling and advertising on TikTok, you're dead. He goes, if you can't put a ten to fifteen second commercial out, he goes, you're dead. He goes, you're not making anything. Mm-hmm. You, <laughs> and yeah. this is you know. <laughs> multi-billionaire so yeah i'll uh yeah i'll listen to him oh, and my wife yeah my wife. oh yeah well you kind of have to there right but yeah, uh, yeah cuban doesn't know if you don't listen to him but your wife does so. <laughs> <laughs> there's a difference there how did you know i just know how, how these things know? work you know i've heard i've uh, read books it's almost like you're psychic or something well, good times yeah let's not go that far but. well uh it's been a pleasure thank you for coming on the show and and helping us out here it's always a good thing so now the book thank you the book people need to buy and if you don't you're you're just crazy uh this is like you know come on it's 2.99 for a kindle and it's called grim measures okay so this is something you need and it's by the one and only david darling and that's his real name okay so you can't true story yeah you can't forget that (laughs) so um Again, David, thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank thank you, Alan, and thank you, David. It's uh, it's been a pleasure, and uh, uh, always appreciated. Thanks, David. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. <laughs>